Let's get on to the subject matter of hardware. I believe I'm going to call this podcast episode Master Hardware. Now, when it comes to the hardware of technology, I mean, we can split this in several different ways. The first aspect, let's stick with, I guess, smartphones, and then we can go to tablets, laptops, TVs, what have you. But with smartphones, we're getting a lot more standardization with hardware, not necessarily as far as distribution or manufacturing from companies like Samsung or LG, but as far as having standard templates for what hardware to build, where in Apple's case, it's about having a decent mix of components that are equally viable for the market and for onboard computing. And for Android, there's enough solid components per smartphone, especially with the Pixel series, that most of the power can be done mainly in the cloud, but enough of the onboard computing can be done to satisfy the needs of offline users or for basic offline processing, computing, running apps, what have you. The future of this, however, considering the cloud's going to be more and more expansive and the requirement for internet's going to be ever more present, I believe, one moment, I believe that the standardization of hardware is going to be even faster, and even though companies such as Samsung will have deviations in the model and product lineup for, say, the Galaxy S, excuse me, Galaxy S6 or the Galaxy Edge Plus, I'm not entirely sure what other models there were. I know they experimented with different sizes and shapes of smartphones and phablets. But the thing that they're proving is that besides having a variety of different smartphones, there's a very big discrepancy between what they can and will support long term and what the users will actually use. So most of their devices end up being more on the experimental side. A lot of their Edge and Edge Plus devices could last much longer than the marketplace suggests or by my own theory. But in general, standardization tends to be a lot more practical as the iPhone has proved with more templatized models of making the phone. As far as Google's concerned, the Pixel Whether or not this lasts long term or it's just an experiment, the Pixel is actually a perfect representation of long-term planning for smartphone models as far as how to build them, what to plan as far as capacitive touch or the ability to have a screen that encompasses all buttons, having a camera underneath the screen possibly in the future, or having the screen replace multiple sensors such as what you would use for your speaker or receiving... Uh, data transfer, what have you. So I believe that the Pixel series from Google is going to be the most long-term stable investment as far as smartphone models. The models will change because standards and deviation apply to all aspects of technology. And with Samsung, we're going to have to see the long-term investment and what works best for them market-wise and what the users end up gravitating toward along with what Samsung supports. The difference being is that with Samsung, there typically tends to be a very noticeable gap between what they support long-term and what they manufacture and distribute in the short-term, regardless of the type of phone. As far as iPhone, they may or may not change their methods of the model of their phone because they still have the, I believe it's called the app drawer. Jukebox, I believe, is the theme of the the smartphone layout. But as far as the hardware, 
they don't necessarily change outside of having a singular screen with maybe a single button. And that's worked in the past for them to standardize their iPhones. But with the introduction of possibly the phablet, stylus, or with Google's model having a widely having the most widely used operating system in the world, Android, being embedded into a smartphone, and the smartphone is flexible enough to have their buttons appear pretty much anywhere on the screen once they take away the more physical needs of the phone, except for the front-facing cameras and the speakers. If they end up embedding those, that'll go even further to match what would the iPhone X have as far as mainly everything is the screen or under the screen, as far as hardware is concerned. The difference being there is that Apple has invested mainly in everything being not necessarily more expensive, but more robust on the actual device itself, and Google can invest mainly in cloud, and it may actually make it cheaper for phones overall in the future, as the components on board don't have to be as powerful. Now, granted, this could be 10 years from now, 15 years from now, this could be 6 years from now, I have no idea what the timetable is, but the general trend that I see is... With Pixel, it doesn't have to be as much power up front embedded locally on the user's device. And with iPhone, it probably always will be because there's not as much cloud infrastructure built in, not necessarily for streaming, but for productivity, for work applications, what have you. And Apple doesn't exactly have a web app for most of their productivity tools. You can get the mobile versions on iPhone and obviously the Mac, but not as far as the more flexible ways of accessing their productivity tools. The Pixel just happens to be the perfect intersection of all these things. And it can be flexible, it can incorporate more, it has a Google Assistant built in, which means that, in theory, they could have virtually nothing on the on-device motherboard that the user has to maintain or worry about or pay for the cost of up front when purchasing a new phone. They can rely mainly on AI in the cloud, and they would have to worry about just making sure that the centers sensors sorry sensors were up to date that they can capture the right information in a time sensitive manner that they'd be adaptable to user preferences and to user actions that they'd be able to capture as much information per quote unquote shot as humanly possible when it comes to a camera specifically or if it comes to the audio recorder making sure that your sensor is strong enough to pick up on the small sounds in the largest range of frequencies and audio tones but I think that's the limitation or the threshold for what they would have to worry about in the future. The iPhone, considering there's not that much offloaded to the internet as far as workload, would have to continuously update every component at the same time or in, in intervals or every other generation to keep up to make sure that their device matches that power. Considering they'd have to have a better processor, better battery life, you know, a smarter operating system that knows how to use, utilize all the components in a more efficient fashion, and that's just going to end up escalating in every direction as far as what the phone would require. And obviously boost the price, maybe boost the size of the phone. Eventually they might be able to fit everything as far as the front of the device underneath the screen so that they don't, so that they don't need any buttons at all or any sensors or anything extruding except for one flat screen. That's in the future, that might be the case, but they would still need to boost all the device's components underneath, which causes that ripple effect for the consumer and for them in fa as far as manufacturing. I'm actually holding my Pixel 3 right now, and I see this as an investment. I'm actually planning on investing in this device for maybe 10 to 15 years. That could change. Something else better can come out. Something far smarter and far more efficient can come out for all I know. There might be a smartwatch companion later on. 
But right now, because I personally have offloaded as much as I can to the Google Cloud, and I use mainly uh, web apps slash phone apps such as like Google Drive, for example, and Google Photos, that allows me to, and considering, thank God, that I have a decent network and I'm able to access the internet basically everywhere, that allows me full access to everything I need with the least amount of work up front, which means that it demands less on my phone. It means that in return, the result is that my battery is lasting much longer, even with data saver on. I can use the hotspot, which will make my device a Wi-Fi hotspot for other devices and not use nearly as much battery, considering there's not as much online or on-device work being processed. There is the ability to have more apps downloaded. If I need to download more apps, I don't have to worry as much about battery, considering most of the stuff can get done on the web. And considering a lot of Google's productivity and a lot of the stuff in the Google search that are default for the Pixel devices, get most of my work done in general. It requires less stress on the system itself, and the device can have more, not fragmented or segmented, but can have more compartmentalized processes. And with less stress on each process, it can last longer in every direction. Which means that I'll hardly, unless I'm in the sun or really taxing my phone somehow, I'll hardly ever reach the limit of what my Pixel can do, and will continue to be able to use it and find smarter and smarter ways to do it. And with every operating system update, considering I haven't been pushing the system to its max as much as I would say if I had an iPhone or, you know, if I had a Samsung device that was proprietarily made and not supported long term or just an experiment as far as being a deviated model from what the market standards are. Considering that, I will be able to have my phone last longer considering I would either, in my personal case, delete apps I don't really use or have more than enough space for the apps that I have. And then the operating system would know how to allocate resources even smarter in the background. Google Assistant would be able to turn off applications that don't need processes or don't need internet connection or whatever resources that they're attempting to allocate in the background on their own. And so this entire system, as far as the way the Google Pixel is built, is built for the most flexibility, the most access, the ability to evolve faster with the least amount of work on the user's end. The iPhone, to a point, can do that, but it still requires a lot of investment as far as maintaining the device itself, everything on it, making sure that the device is taking care of itself and that the users know how to take care of the device. Granted, iOS tends to be a little bit simpler as far as user navigation than Android, to say the least, but the iPhone doesn't necessarily have the ability to clean up itself automatically in every respect or offline most or offload most of its work to cloud as opposed to trying to find a different way for its operating system to allocate resources on its own. It's not necessarily built for that. On top of that idea, there's the concept that any other phone manufacturer right now has typically a discounted version of the model of Android and iOS. I'm not going to count LG because they do pretty decent work and the OnePlus phone is picking up a little bit more speed. I just don't know if it's going to be standardized. But those tend to be either shortcuts, they tend to be short-term purchases that may last longer, they may not. Then there's the question of applications, then there's the question of if they can maintain, those companies, if they can maintain long-term contracts with the manufacturers that produce the particular components they need, unless they're sharing the manufacturing distribution and design and prototyping and actual construction of the device with the likes of, say, Samsung or Google or Apple, in which case they would have to wait for parts to be sent to them because 
if they enter in the mass market as far as what to build for smartphones, then they'd be trying to share the rest of the pie with the big with the big smartphone uh, sellers. And that could be a bit of a struggle, to say the least, as Apple and Samsung have already figured out in the last few years. I don't really see any other smartphone model taking off. If anything, it'd likely be a copy and paste of iOS or Android. If any other device type would work, say the Samsung uh, Galaxy Fold, which was an interesting experiment and didn't last very long. Something like that could be a future version of a smartphone. Obviously, the current iteration did not work very well, or as intended. A lot of mistakes were made. And even with the Note line, the Note, the Ga Samsung Galaxy Note phablets are still pretty solid. I actually owned Note 3 before owning this Pixel 3. And although it has promise, it still needs to be standardized and the software needs to evolve to be more accustomed to, say, a Western audience, for example, without using proprietary Samsung apps or without having to download third-party applications that can utilize the stylus but can't really work compatibly with any other application or web app. In other words, more friction, more manual points of connection that the user has to work with, and more downloading of stuff that they may use once or may use for only one feature. The Pixel model is much more different, and I think with Google's design, although they're just getting started with the Pixel to say the least. Assuming it can be supported long term, the design of the components, the layout of the motherboard, the long term planning for where to put the new batteries and the materials to build for the new batteries, the materials for the processor, the materials for the sensors, how to build everything, how to manufacture it. Long term, although it'd be equal if not more pressure than what Apple and Samsung have to deal with, it'd be a much more substantial investment for the user and for the companies, considering how much more promise, how much more flexibility, and how accessible it would be for the general user. And assuming that newer materials such as graphene come out, that could revolutionize the way that most of these devices are built for mass manufacturing with processors that process much more, you know, optical processing units on the motherboard or batteries that can charge in 30 seconds and last three days or a week. That would push the devices potentially even further. I don't know if Apple would do that. They may or may not. So far, I see them more as a luxury brand for the smartphone idea and Google's more the accessibility and flexibility brand for the smartphone era. Samsung is big value but more random and less cohesive and less concise as far as the distribution of their software and their hardware so that may take a turn for something that's easier for users to adopt or maybe short-term you know short-term selling as was the case with the note 7 and some other galaxy models but we're gonna have to wait and see at this point i truly do believe that if google were to templatize their designs of prototypes for the Pixel line. It could be the one phone maker that lasts above everything else. Apple may or may not drop, we'll see. Samsung's likely to take the lead, assuming they are able to standardize the models that work best for a Western audience or globally faster, as opposed to fragmenting their hardware space and trying to figure out how best to separate operating systems or adapt Android to their particular design requirements or fragment the, op the OS distribution and upgrades that, in general, the Western audience doesn't pay attention to or doesn't need or what have you. That's not to count Samsung out, considering they make high-quality hardware, but it's equivalent to making, from my personal point of view, it's equivalent to making a VW Bug car made out of the best metal on the planet 
but at the end of the day it's still not a Ferrari. So you can build a great model out of fantastic material and even have a great template and manufacturing process to put it together and be able to redistribute it and replicate it. But the model itself may not be as strong long term for other user or manufacturer as some of the more standard models such as a Toyota, such as a Ford, what have you, as far as car metaphors are concerned. So that's on the smartphone side. On the game console side, long-term end goal, I see services like if it supported Google Stadia being long-term considering it's compatible with current Chromecast implementation and also controller. I also see the idea of game consoles and PCs merging more maybe PCs being more standardized with obviously, and by the way, none of this negates customizing a PC or buying a custom deviated model of a smartphone. That'll still be a thing in the future. It just won't be as as much of a critical investment for the masses. Standardization will be. Simplicity and standardization and ease of use considering how quickly the world's moving and how much more technology will provide us benefits and potential. The biggest concern from the average user or the most common customer is simply going to be, will this thing do what I want quickly, as opposed to worrying about the setup of the thing or its components, does this thing do what I want, and with the simple setup of, say, Google or Microsoft as far as it comes to games, or maybe even Sony, if Sony's able to change pretty quickly as far as long-term vision for the consoles, they could last or they may burn out of steam. In the meantime, I think that for consoles, once again, it's going to be merging a PC and game console. Yes, the Nintendo, Wii U, and obviously the Switch were big hits in the West and obviously in the East as well. That's great for that particular market that wants to invest in that one, not one feature, but one particular utility that they prefer. If they are only looking for those specific utilities that the Switch provides perfect that'll continue if they're if the audience and if the general consumer in the future wants an all-in-one as opposed to buying a separate gaming pc and putting it together ordering ordering one off of amazon or trying to order a game console that is more standardized plug and play but you know might not have as powerful of a processor or motherboard or might have a disc tray that you don't want to use or buying a switch that can't necessarily access the internet but it can do you know downloading games and you have to have separate memory cards to plug in although it might have great graphics the battery doesn't last so long in other words instead of the idea of compromising it might just all be combined into one so if you can imagine a future where pcs and consoles are basically in one where there's standardized pc manufacturing almost equivalent to what microsoft's doing with their surface pro and surface laptop line they're when they standardized finally distributed their own standard template for laptops with their own operating system built in which is the supposedly the perfect marriage of the two if game console manufacturers do that i'm not sure what sony will do considering they have great powerful consoles excellent titles to back up the consoles and ip but they don't necessarily have the operating system backup that could make their store and their network last long term it's more like strict feature set or it's mainly media purchasing through their particular devices or online which is not an issue but it doesn't grant as much access as say a Microsoft Store or what Google's likely to do with Stadia so as far as games are concerned it's either going to be likely in the future an investment in all digital consoles slash PCs so you'll plug in your 
console slash PC, whatever the name will be for this device or model type. You'll plug this into your TV, you'll download what you want, you'll start playing it, or you'll use it also for productivity and whatever else you would use a computer or game console for. You plug in a Chromecast into the side of the TV, all of a sudden you get something equivalent to Google Stadia for streaming. I believe Microsoft's also investing in that with the xCloud. We'll see who ends up being more promising in that regard. I personally think that Stadia has a much larger potential, but they do have some catching up to do, to say the least. I believe that xCloud can match Google's potential, but they'd have to make the consoles a lot more accessible as far as price and general setup. And they would also have to make sure that their server systems can handle what they would be building as far as what they've already done for their games library with Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold and the games with gold systems. In other words, the combination of the Netflix for games concept or model and distribution for games. It depends on what they end up investing in and what the general consumer chooses. As far as what I have seen with this kind of uh, preference market-wise, I have seen that at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about buying the best, biggest and baddest machine, although that can be a source of luxury and you know, bragging rights. It's more about can you play the game and do you have materials to play the game itself without worrying about the hardware setup. And with that context, I believe that Google has a stronger shot considering they're able to embed YouTube, but micro I could be wrong and Microsoft could come out in front with their already established game library, their ability to stream, their infrastructure that they've invested in and consoles that are more recognizable to the mass market. So that's going to be a toe-in-toe -toe kind of a match there. I think Google might have more potential if they build up their cloud with everything else that they built it for, such as possible game development, Android, if they get a lot of publishers on and you know on board quickly, if they use their YouTube infrastructure and embed that directly into Stadia long term, and if they did everything they say they're going to do, they could actually catch up pretty quickly and be the future. But that depends on what xCloud and Microsoft does, because if they end up evolving faster, with their battle plans and what they have as a vision for the future, then they could theoretically go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Stadia, where they can trounce them out entirely. PlayStation has a chance. I believe they would have to make their consoles a little bit more affordable in general, although PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 were very powerful consoles. They'd have to make those very accessible as far as cost and setup in general. Yes, they're simple, but you know, as the Chromecast has shown, you can't get too simple necessarily with hardware. But they do have PlayStation now, and that can give them a head start considering they were the first ones to actually develop a currently usable game streaming service, even if it has limitations. So as far as current use, PlayStation now has the biggest potential. But if Sony's unable to evolve it from their current roster of PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 games through their console, if they're unable to adapt it through like a browser or a laptop or what have you, that could spell some trouble for what Sony's plans are down the line. And I believe even Sony said, don't necessarily expect us to have the most successful console or games layout in the future. And that might have confused a lot of journalists in the mass public who follows the games industry. But it kind of makes sense as far as long-term planning if they can't keep up with it. If they can, they have equal footing with Microsoft and Google. But the difference with that being is that they would still have to set up a lot of their offline, or my mistake, online cloud infrastructure for game distribution and streaming which Google has invested from the top down. Sony has built enough for it to work, but they would have to go full throttle on mainly just that, as opposed to focusing on 
uh, consoles and all these other peripherals, such as them developing their own TVs and laptops, what have you, they'd have to go full throttle mainly on that. Google streamlined enough where if they invest fully into it, they could go out on top. And if they invest purely in cloud, they could unlock potential that none of these other companies have. But these are all guesses. These are all potentials based on what's happening right now. The other part of hardware is laptops. Once again, there could be a variety of these things. Oh, and by the way, going back to the consoles thing with the Steam boxes, that's a good example of an experiment. It was worth trying to experiment with, but at the end of the day, you need standards. Deviations are nice, they're good to play with, but you need standards as far as what the users will buy and support long-term. That's a great example matching a similar Samsung concept of building a lot of different things and then not necessarily being able to support the software or hardware for it long-term, and so things just kind of sputter out and lose momentum as far as market uh, usability and purchase power. As far as laptops are concerned, Sony, Vio, and oh, I think Vio's killing. I could be wrong about that. Sony laptops are still decent to say the least. Dell may or may not have a winning deck. Lenovo is doing pretty decent with them experimenting with touchscreen, touchpad, convertibles, what have you. I personally see either the Chromecast, Chromecast, my gosh, Chromebook, Pixelbook, or the Pixel Slate competing directly with the Surface lineup from Microsoft. Standards, they have their own software built specifically for those devices. They know how to build laptops after experimenting with R&D for God knows how long. They know how to build the hardware. They already have the software embedded. It's their operating systems. Their, their OSs are constantly evolving. They know what to build for their hardware. They know what standards look like. They know about accessibility. They know not to fragment a laptop into made by a million different companies having to download 300 different forms of software to make your laptop work. I'm exaggerating, but that's kind of the general premise. And they also know how to market it in a more concise way, Apple strategy kind of, like in the Mac world, to be able to say, here's this one model, get this quickly, here's this other model, here's this other version of this model, enough variety to keep the user interested and to change up as they need to and as they evolve with their devices, but not enough to confuse the market in general. So I think that that's going to be a long-term plan where it's going to be Chromebook or Pixel, the Pixel lineup matching directly with Microsoft. I don't see the Mac as being that long-term as far as overall use for the general consumer. As far as creativity, it still has a lot of staying power. The MacBook, the Mac Pro, and the Mac OS operating system, they are strong, but they're not as flexible, even though they're very nice to use and they have beautiful UIs. They're not as strong and flexible long-term as the Chrome OS, Pixel, Windows and Microsoft slates are for their laptops. Between Microsoft and Google, who can easily spread their dominance as far as hardware and software to the east, considering they've had standard templates and they've embedded most of the power in cloud or have already, in Microsoft's case, built operating systems before, so they know what to build better than most of their competitors, and very few other smartphone or technology manufacturers around the world have any experience deploying a long-term successful operating system. I believe that it's going to be Windows versus Chrome OS. Long-term, I believe that it might just be Chrome OS, considering, once again, with the cloud technology, how much of 
Google's operating system functions by a connection to the cloud to give the users more access to the world's information instantly through Google Assistant or through applications or web apps. More flexibility, less user maintenance upfront on the device. Chrome OS is built very, very simply. It's mainly just a browser with some user features, settings, profiles, what have you. The benefit of Windows is that it's more commercial than Chrome OS, but it also has a lot more baggage in general. It has a lot more features, more connected network. The operating system is designed to work with more features that laptops typically carry. But I think we're going to see in the future that it's going to be less and less about features and it's going to be more and more about what you can access on the internet, especially if in the future the internet becomes a streamlined or my mistake, operating systems become streamlined, streamed technology. If that's the case in the future, then Windows may not have as much staying power as Chrome OS, considering Chrome OS is already super simple with access to a lot more complexity than Windows, and Windows is very complex with access to more simple things individually for each of its parts. But you may not need that if most of the work is being done by computers in the cloud, then Windows is going to be seen as more cumbersome and Chrome OS is going to be seen as easily accessible by comparison, almost the iPhone of, of operating systems for desktop. If that's the case, it might get down to a very simple interface for Chrome OS. You access what you want on the web, then you're done. With Windows, there might still be a requirement for the user or technical, technically proficient or IT uh, experienced, if you will, types of users to manually modify parts of their OS, have to download side and third-party programs, scan for viruses, and to be fair to Windows, they are getting better at automating most of this, but it's still a lot of small things to keep track of, and Chrome OS is simply simpler and more accessible in general and easier to understand considering there's less you have to do to get any one thing done. Windows is still evolving to simplify more and more with more complexity built in both in the cloud infrastructure and also locally on the device. But as far as the hardware is concerned for laptops, it's probably going to be the Chromebook or the Pixelbook, considering they would just long-term have to focus on offline access for applications. The sensors would be focused on the design of the laptop as long as it's convertible, solid, and with a touchscreen. It's going to be everything you need, nothing you don't. It doesn't necessarily have to be the highest quality, but if it is high quality, fantastic. And with Windows... As opposed to adding just more stuff, they also have to streamline a lot more of their a lot more of their operating system, even though they have very, very helpful hardware. In the future, for all we know, Microsoft could be the ones making the hardware and Google could be the ones making just an operating system. In the future, anyway, laptops are gonna be touchscreen with styluses included, convertibility, being able to use it like a laptop and a tablet. But the current potential is simply the idea of ease of use, and the ability to get more work done with less effort. For that, Chrome OS has my focus, has my investment. I'm not counting Windows out yet. They could evolve to have all the necessary components without overcomplicating things for the average user, but Chrome OS simply has it in the bag currently. So that's as far as laptops. As far as TVs are concerned, I know a lot of different companies make TVs, Sony, LG, uh, Hisense, I believe it's how it's pronounced. But I think in the future, it's going to be about Google and Microsoft. Google with its studio, or Surface Studio lineup, and its 
I'm trying to remember the name of the device. Uh, Surface Hub device, which if they make that thing any bigger, it's going to be indistinguishable from a TV anyway, and it's going to be able to move around any room. Microsoft has the ability to be flexible on that end and can embed an operating system as they have already done with their hub lineup. You can embed an operating system and a, the game console component through the Microsoft Xbox Marketplace. If they embed all that into the TV system with the hub and make it cheaper, that's going to be a day one purchase for most people. It could replace their entire TV recording, stereo setup, needing to have a touchscreen or an extra peripheral device attached to their TV to get work done, being able to stream content, yada, yada, yada. As far as... the Google thing is concerned, they can do the same thing. They would only add the parts that the users most commonly need, and they would also go for... Besides making a touchscreen with a stylus like Microsoft, they would also go for making sure that it was as quick and lightweight to use as humanly possible. There wouldn't be a whole lot of components involved in making the TV. It'd be as flexible to move around as the Microsoft Surface Hub or the Studio, if you wish to focus on that. But and that's going to have all the pieces you need and nothing you don't. Along with having access to the most popular operating system in the world, probably at that point. I'm actually looking at my LG TV as I'm focusing on these features, so that's where the reason for the pauses is coming from. But I do think Google has more potential. They could find a new hardware model that involves putting it directly on your wall, which would be great for some, but not all, because that's a little bit more work having to attach your TV to a wall versus just having it on a rolling platform such as the Hub device from Microsoft and being able to carry it between rooms. And alongside that concept is the idea that I guess once again it goes to the idea of the cloud. Google's mainly set up for that. With the Azure system, Microsoft's more set up for that, but not for everything because they still have to invest more of their stuff in putting into their Azure cloud. And Google's building most of their stuff from the cloud down at this point in general besides needing to have offline access for user conditions. Considering that, I think that, once again, Google's likely to have the best chance at this. But to be fair, they haven't released anything even close to this. So if they don't want to touch it or they don't think they can do it, Microsoft's likely to gain the lead considering they already have the hardware examples and the products that would just need to evolve one or two generations for consumer accessibility and cost. And they would basically take over the market for all this, considering one TV could have a computer, a game console, and be a touchscreen so it could be an all-in-one, so to speak. And from that position, if they ended up having a tablet that can connect Bluetooth to the TV, then you could have multitasking productivity. You could be watching a video on one screen while performing work on another little device that's attached via Bluetooth or some other wireless or remote connectivity without having a lot of work done on the device itself, once again. So hardware-wise, I think there's going to be standards faster. Now, companies like Intel, NVIDIA, who am I I'm thinking about some other, oh, Samsung, and Apple themselves, maybe even Google. And I know there's a lot of other manufacturers for component chips and motherboards and processors and just different parts of a computer system. But I think in the future, it's more about standardization as opposed to variety. Variety will exist. There might even be 
companies that pop up that can replace what Intel does or can compete directly with Intel or directly with NVIDIA and their processing types and how they're embedding AI architecture into their system to make their chips more usable, faster, considering their cloud infrastructure. But I do think as far as the current momentum and mass market adoption on top of what the big companies for building hardware are relying to as far as contracts and being able to distribute high quality enough parts to the mass massive devices out there, I see it as being not necessarily Intel or NVIDIA, but I see Microsoft, Google, Samsung, and maybe even Apple internally creating their own department for making those chips themselves. If you can't buy it, build it, I believe is the saying in the Tech Valley. So they're probably figuring out how to build their own versions of that so that one, they don't have to rely as much on the manufacturers like Intel, NVIDIA, AMD, and Samsung for building their internal components. It might also reduce cost long-term. They'll have more control over that chipset. They won't have to vie for contracts as much. They won't have to do as many business negotiations to get their devices set up. It'll be one less thing to have to worry about or focus on as far as waiting for things to come in to manufacture the devices they want and that are trying to sell in the mass market. And it might just actually simplify how they build everything if they're able to have everything built in-house that matches the ability and has seamless integration with the rest of their system it might just be that Google, Apple, and Microsoft end up building their own versions internally of Intel, AMD, and Samsung, which would make it so that these technology companies can build everything they need with as little help from outside sources as possible. That doesn't mean these other companies are going away at all. Anything could frankly change. There's just so much momentum behind this likely being the case that I think that I'm going to currently call it. Other companies can come out. AI can evolve where these other companies are even better, and then contracts could switch to these new companies, or they might find a new way to implement design with a newer material, such as graphene or another material that I'm completely unaware of. They might find a new approach to embedding this stuff. It might turn out that they have one component that does many things. Any number of things can happen. That's the whole point. I'm not saying in stone that this will happen. I'm just saying that this has the highest potential to be a thing, considering how streamlined the process would be for the companies to manufacture these devices and if it's streamlined it's faster it's little it's technically more cost efficient and it's a lot more useful as far as long-term investment so it would be a little bit simpler and easier for these companies to sell their devices to the mass market without hoping that a bunch of other things come together or without vying for contracts and spending extra time negotiating what have you this that and the other it's not always about simplicity and streamlining, but right now I believe that's actually the most useful way to go about this, once again, unless some amazing alternative comes out. Could? I don't know. That's just my theory on that. As far as the hardware for cars, that's going to evolve. I think Tesla's there. They have the most momentum for that. Google could come in, considering they could implement their Google Maps technology, but we'll see. Amazon has potential for that, but I don't know if they're focused on any one particular part of that besides possibly building their own car. Toyota, I don't know what they have as far as the potential for self-driving or if they even want to focus on that. I know Uber is trying to. The driving race for technology is a little bit more all over the place. Biggest potentials are Tesla and also Google if they choose. Amazon, master of manufacturing in general, could do it. 
but I don't know if they have any roadmap for these systems to implement because currently most self-driving or most smart cars have Apple systems built in or Android Auto. I believe I covered all the hardware aspects. Did I not? Smartphone, laptop, game console, slash computer, TV, car. And then I think the last iteration of hardware in general is going to be as opposed to hardware like or hardware accessories like microphones or headsets or what have you being built by different companies, I think that major media companies such as YouTube or Spotify are likely to build their own microphone or own accessory and media recording devices so that they can have hardware directly integrate with their software without having to worry about connections or device types or differences between hardware and software compatibility or plugging it into this service and not having to talk to that service and connections and links between accounts. If these media companies create their own microphones, create their own head, you know, own headsets, own peripherals, and if it links directly to their service, then they could have the all-in-one, direct, straightforward capture action or capture media, capture whatever on the user's end, have it in the cloud and then work from there. I think that's actually going to be the future. It's going to be more direct standardization of cloud media using accessories built by likely the cloud and technology providers themselves rather than getting, say, a microphone from Audio-Technica. And Audio-Technica is a good company. I actually used to own a microphone from them. They're solid, but it's not the most direct integration with media services or with mass media services and mass media platforms. There's still a slight dis- slight degree or one or two degrees of disconnectivity or variables that the user has to focus on before they can have their media captured or from- formatted in a way that they prefer to either save it or publish it. As far as hardware on those sides for media, I think that's the most straightforward way to go. Could change. But usually, more direct lines of connection tend to be the way technology moves, unless some amazing alternative comes out. Or possibly if users get sick of that and they prefer something else, that they prefer a third party, this, that, and the other, as opposed to an all-in-one. I guess that's the concept I'm going for with hardware overall as a theme. The more all-in-one we get, the more accessible and more simple technology becomes to use and the more con- both controlled and predictable it becomes for these big tech companies to be able to make what they want quickly without having to worry about a bunch of extra moving parts outside of themselves. The variables being if alternatives pop up or user preferences change, then it might not matter as much, but those are the potentials right now for the mastering of hardware. New paradigms come out, such as optical processors, a new company comes out or these big tech companies have already been testing this stuff and are just waiting to be able to deploy it mass market wise and have it be cost effective. I see that as the ultimate future of this standardization until a quantum leap, kind of like the way the smartphones were working with Blackberry and Sony Ericsson. My God, that's an old brand. If it's even still around versus what the iPhone did standardization before quantum leap. That's my idea behind hardware. Ben, yeah, that's all my thoughts on it. If that changes, I'll let you know. But that's the overview. Thanks for listening. Bye.